it's not just a numbers game. And when someone says sales is a numbers game, I kind of cringe a bit. You're listening to Mental Selling, the sales performance podcast, a show from Integrity Solutions. This is a podcast for passionate leaders in sales and customer service who are driven by purpose, not just a paycheck. People who want to create broader and deeper connections with customers and their teams by building trust and mastering the critical mental and emotional sides of sales. You're about to hear a conversation from sales leaders and industry experts about what it takes to translate sales knowledge into sales performance. How to change the sales conversation by putting the focus on building relationships and adding value, removing the blockers that keep salespeople from reaching their potential, creating an inspiring learning environment and coaching culture, and ultimately increasing sales achievement and improving customer loyalty. Ready to rise up to the top of your game? Let's get right into the show. Welcome everyone to Mental Selling, your favorite sales podcast. Thank you very much if you've listened to us before. Thank you for joining us again. If this is your first time listening to us, we appreciate you being here. Uh, We've got a great episode today. We're gonna talk today with Bob Perkins. Bob, who I've known for several years, he is the founder and chairman of the AAISP, which if you're not familiar with them, is the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals, which is a global community of sales reps, sales leaders, those in supporting sales roles, and they are dedicated to advancing the profession of virtual sales. They've got a great team that helps virtual sales reps through published content. They have local chapters all around the United States and the world. They do original research and benchmarking, uh, several global conferences, one of which is coming up in uh, in March, uh, career development for salespeople and virtual sales training and certification programs as well. So, um, Bob, welcome. Thank you very much for being with us. Yeah, it's great to to be here. Great to see you again, Will. So by way of introduction, Bob is a nationally recognized inside sales authority, innovator, conference speaker. He has over 25 years of experience in inside sales, and he also maintains his own video channel called Inside Sales Studio that discusses trends and tactics specifically relevant for inside sales leaders. So Bob, I thought you were a great guest to have early on in the Mental Selling Podcast because I think you can, better than most, speak to what seems to be, I'll start by saying this, there there had always typically been a fairly big distinction or delineation between outside or field sales and inside sales. That lines seem to have gotten blurred more and more over the last several years and then certainly accelerated in the last two years when all sales became virtual, right? So I I noticed even that your website, the AISP website, now uh, itself says that the mission is to, quote, is, quote, helping advance virtual sales to the next level of professionalism and performance. So Let's start by talking about have those lines been blurred and what's your perspective on is there a distinction between outside and inside sales? Is it basically gone? Well, I think uh, to fully understand, the short answer is yes, there there continues to be a blurring, but to, to fully understand what we mean by blurring of the lines, I think we have to go back and take a look at the evolution of 
the sales professional, right? So at the ad man, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of fast forward to the, to the late eighties, early nineties, but with the advent of uh, the ability to make a long distance phone call very inexpensively, it used to be expensive. We saw lots of companies putting in inbound call centers, and then they began to experiment with with uh, selling outbound. And uh, then, of course, we got the internet and we got email. And we have not, and today we have every way possibly to connect with a customer on their terms, right? So, but if we go back a bit, it was thought that the best salesperson was the person that could shake a hand, could mm-hmm. size up a room, and it was all about face-to-face, right. okay? And for years, inside sales fought this perception that they may be good, they may be helpful, but they can really only do part of a sale, and they can't close the big one. So now let's fast forward a bit to uh, to in the 90s and around the year 2000 and, and 2010s, and even today, there is often a segmentation that inside sales, digital, whatever you want to call them, doesn't you know they're 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 selling remotely. They don't travel per se, or they don't travel much at all, yeah. and they do all their selling via virtual means, right? The phone, the email, uh, video, like we're doing here, right. and um, this. This idea was, well, we'll give the small accounts, medium accounts to inside and the big, big, large enterprise or larger accounts will go to the field. That still exists today. I talk to companies all the time. The, here's the fact of that, though. Some of the research that you and I have seen already pre-pandemic well before the pandemic hit was, you know, customers, now that we have an easy way to communicate and we can communicate via video, we can really see each, see each other face to face. You know, we can save on travel. Uh, we can save on meeting room space. And so there was a there was a movement underway and research indicated that field reps more and more were spending the majority of their time either working from home or maybe in office and selling virtually. Right just like inside sales has been doing all along. So video was introduced well before the pandemic and was highly adopted, highly effective. And we we began to see even the field that were really good at seeing people face-to-face and sizing up a situation and walking the halls and getting out, taking people to launches, which is all good, by the yeah. way. Now, in fact, just I got here's a little story. Just yesterday, I met with a potential sponsor and one of our large member companies face-to-face. We, had, we played golf, and I'll tell you. That hasn't happened in a I, while, has it? I moved, some, I moved some business forward at lunch. So I'm a big believer in that. So don't take this the wrong way, but but the facts are, bam, the pandemic hit, and guess what? We're all inside sales, right? Yeah. And I think finally, it's kind of like that little, that thing, that time, you know, that moment in time that sort of pushed executives forward to say, geez, we better transform digitally because our customers, it's here to stay. We surveyed our members, Oh, about a year, about a year into the pandemic, maybe a little over a year ago. And we said, 
what are you going to do? You had you had 300 people in an office or two or three office buildings, inside sales, typical inside sales people, SDR, account executives, account managers, customer success. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Are you going back to the office full time once this worrisome pandemic is over? And like only 10, 10% said yes. The biggest, next biggest two chunks are we're going to come back sometimes, a day a week, two days a week, right. kind of hotel it a little bit. And another group said, well, we're, we're pretty much going to stay at home. So the handwriting's on the wall. Virtual is now n- not even close. It's, it's the single largest way that business, especially with the sales profession, is done. It's remote. Right. And we saw, by the way, we saw this coming well before the pandemic. Pandemic just kind accelerated. of forced it. Right. It accelerated. Right? And proved yeah. It proved it. Yeah. Yeah. So if the the lines have sort of been been blurred or, or even erased, was there, yeah. and maybe especially when the pandemic hit, was there some, and is there still, I guess, some reskilling that had to be done or has to be done for salespeople that were maybe doing some selling virtually, but, you know, were, were they? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do believe that there, you know, there needs to be. There's a lot of tech, the there's a lot of technology out there, right? Yeah. And it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. We, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's almost overwhelming yeah, yeah. how much technology and, you know, these quote unquote sales enablement tools, et cetera, are available to salespeople. Does it almost become yeah. too much for them? You're right about that. Uh, it, it, we we over we overcooked it a little bit. I think there's almost you got to be very careful. I was talking with a very senior leader who who manages 850 inside salespeople at a very large, well-known logistics logistics company, mm. and he was saying that he spent a year forcing the technology sales enablement part of his company to make sure that any technology improved efficiency. And he actually timed, you know, here I had a conversation and I want to have a lot of conversations with people because that moves deals forward. But after the conversation took like 15 minutes to fill out all the fields and click all the boxes. And he said, not going to happen. You're, you're, he goes, you're killing the heart and soul of the salesperson if you do that. So he re-engineered a lot of the technology to be, uh, efficiency positive. And so I, I would urge everyone out there listening to don't, you know, don't, uh, turn your back on that. And, uh, where, where it's just impeding reps productivity and it's stealing their time. And when you do that, you take them away from what they do best. Now you got a morale problem. So related to that, I was, I was going to ask you about this in a little bit, but I'll, I'll, I'll jump ahead in, into this because I remembered. So for those of you listening, AISP, one of their big events that they do is called the AISP Leadership Summit, which is a great event. And thankfully, in a few weeks in the Chicago area in March, people will be coming back together, right? Bob, Bob like five, yeah. 600 people coming back together. We'll see you there. Um, yeah. Now, the last in-person leadership summit, which was spring of 2019, one of because I, yeah. I remember writing this down and, we, and we've talked about it. One of the keynote presenters there talked about how 80 percent of salespeople reported that they were using 10 or more different yeah. technologies or tools. Yeah. So yeah. what does that do 
to the salesperson as far as sort of muddying the waters of their ability to really connect with customers. Like you said, if they're having conversations, but then they're distracted either in the middle of the discussion or afterward yeah. because they've got all these fields and things to log and things yeah. like that. And all these things that are, they're touted as interconnected tools, but a lot of times they're really not. Right. Is, so does all of this become more of a hindrance than a help for salespeople and for the customers? Well, the, the answer to that is both yes and no. The positive to it is there are, there are things now that can really, play significant positive impact in the selling motion. There's tools out there, uh, for example, that'll help reduce the, reduce the back and forth with either a current client or even a prospect as to, hey, sure, I'd like to meet, but I'm busy next week, right? There's auto, there's auto scheduling tools that tremendous time saver. True. There's um, video add-ons and video technology that allows you to to just almost like you're in the room whiteboard collaborate in fact we'll we, we speaking of collaboration we did a virtual retreat the retreats are the cool little uh, events we put out where, where 10 executives sit around a round table and dig deep into stuff we did one of those using video and for a moment i felt i was there in person mm-hmm. so there's uh some of the the data enrichment, the AI tools out there that now can help really score the way, who do I call tomorrow? Who do I call next week? What are my best chances of calling maybe someone new that might be ready to buy? There's there's technology out there that has made tremendous improvement. And I, I have another story about that. I was speaking with another client the other day that doubled their conversion rate just because the reps weren't wasting time calling on very low quality contacts and leads. So that's the yes. The downside still exists where the tail's wagging the dog a little bit, right? Where, okay, we have this new technology and you got to do all these things uh, because, you know, I think someday we're going to need that data and use that data maybe to help market better, right? But it, but it's a time suck for the for the inside sale, sales rep. So we need leaders out there, like the one I mentioned earlier, that takes a stand and, and gets out of stopwatch yeah. and starts researching and looking deep into the efficiency and productivity of the reps. The other tip I would share around this too is take a look at your top, you know, your top 5% of performers. Sit down and just observe and log what they do it, how they do, how they do it, the technology they use, what they rely on, and what makes them the top 5%. Instead of trying to layer on some new technology to try to uplift the other 95%, and it may not work. Right. Right. No, that's good <clears throat> advice. Emulate what's working at the top versus just thinking you have to add on more and more and more. Yeah. yeah. So um, let's go Back to something you said before about how, you know, the the sort of older days of inside sales seemed to be the, the view was while well, you gave them, you know, maybe it was existing accounts or smaller yeah. accounts, that sort of thing. And it was it, it was to some extent sometimes viewed as a little bit less than how are organizations yeah. you think now that everybody's sort of swimming in the same pool, how are organizations delineating between is it from a skill set level? 
how they divide up sort of the large account responsibilities versus brand new sort of hunting versus farming? How, how are organizations now that everybody's selling virtually making the decisions around who does what? Well, there, it, it's a mix. I mentioned earlier, there, there's uh, the old school view, <laughs> the traditional old school view that some executives, and by the way, this is largely top-down driven. And so a side note here, over the years, I, I used to teach others about selling the value of inside sales. Early in my career, I promoted the capability and the value of, of a remote digital selling team to the point we got reinvested in and we grew and, and we got more responsibility. You, you, leaders out there, there still need to do that today, right? Because you have some senior executives that are, are very old school. But to your question, I believe that you mentioned the pandemic accelerated the blurring. It certainly has. In fact, I'm talking to senior inside sales leaders all the time that are saying, you know what? We're really relooking at the mix between field and insight. There's a large pharmaceutical company about two weeks ago, I got an article where the, their, their CEO said, they're throwing out the old traditional, hey, I gotta have 1500 field salespeople be, you know, carrying a briefcase and going to yeah. the doctor's offices. And I, we're gonna make this whole selling motion digital. So they're flipping the script. Yeah. And so more and more to your question, more and more we're seeing this line, I, I got to have field on the big accounts. I got to have insight on the small accounts. That's being disrupted in many ways. Look at look at the advent of customer success. That's an inside job, right? Yeah. right? That is a remote motion, and it's a very important motion. And companies like SAP are investing huge in customer success. And it's all, it's all virtual. It's an inside person, right, doing a lot of positive things to help uh, keep annual recurring revenue growing, yeah. right? Business development. Back in the day, this was a high-paid person out in the field. Today, it's an inside person getting that new green space into the hands of an inside sales executive. Yeah. So, uh, well, and, and you have certain industries, right? Like, say, in um, medical device, pharmaceuticals, where... Mm -hmm their bread and butter was literally walking into doctor's offices or into hospitals yeah. and that disappeared. And, you know, yeah. we have a lot of discussions yeah. with people in those industries and that's not coming back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They, they used to be able to entertain. Uh, well, the, the, those days are long gone. They, I talked to someone the other day that said, if I give something of value to a healthcare professional, it has to be something that is is a teaching that teaches them a new skill, and it has to be five dollars or less. So try to figure that one out. Yeah. But but you know what? Look, the story I had, I, I I'm not poo pooing face to face whatsoever, and the need for someone to go meet with people. There are still industries today that are highly reliant on. I think of, you know, the higher end of financial services Absolutely. Is, yeah. is a good example. Yeah. And so there, there's, there's a great need for that. There's a great, you know, people are always going to want to get together. So don't misinterpret our discussion here that face to face is never going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's, it can be, it can be highly, uh, uh, valuable. Oh, it is val yeah, absolutely. It is still very valuable. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 
Another thing I wanted to ask you about that goes back to these were notes I took the, at the last leadership summit. There was a speaker there that said that um, 98%. This was so. This was 2019. This was about six months or so before the pandemic hit. I think 98 percent of inside sales investment dollars were being spent on either recruitment or the tech tools that we were talking about earlier, and only two percent was going toward ongoing development of of reps and managers. Do you think that? Do you think that has shifted? And if it's not, or for those that just aren't, there's got to be some maybe where where they're not. What what's the cost for companies of not rethinking that? We did some research with BCG all of last year. They touched on the training and development. I don't have the, I don't have the numbers. I wish I had them that I could share. But they they kind of followed the line that you just spoke about. That uh, we we know if you ask any inside sales leader of any large team recruiting and hiring is is if not their number one challenge in the top two or three absolutely and by the way it's been that even before the great resignation right it it, it was still very very high on the list so it doesn't surprise me that money is spent for that the other thing it doesn't surprise me that money is is being spent like crazy on technology just go look I get calls every single week by a new technology. Hey, we're starting up. We got our first round of funding and we do this, we do that. They got technologies that'll do just about anything. So I get the same calls. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. What's that? What's I said that? I get the same calls. Yeah. You, you get the same yeah. calls. Yeah. Look at this, how great this is. And so it doesn't surprise me. And the other, here's the other thing is I say that there is a reason around this hiring and recruitment challenge. And it's not a bad reason. Inside sales as inside, I don't care what you call it, virtual, remote, work from home, digital, inside, it's all the same. There's been such great demand on companies to everybody is hiring incrementally. This profession is just growing like crazy. So think about supply demand growing. You got a workforce that maybe hasn't been trained, doesn't quite have the skills, and now you've got a supply and demand issue. So no wonder it's a, it's a challenge. So it's something we've neglected. People grow so fast, they all of a sudden they got a new quota, they got to grow. And so development, training and development, even thinking about training tomorrow's leaders, which that's very a big passion I have, more women in sales leadership, for example, mm-hmm. We're running so fast, we don't do that well, Will. Well, it's almost like we it's almost like organizations have to be aware of if they're filling the leaking bucket, right? Because like you said, there's so many open roles and, and um, companies that are growing and trying to expand their sales teams. But at the same time, a lot of these companies are the ones that are facing massive retention issues and the whole, you know, the great resignation. Yeah. Like people are... Yeah looking around for for what's next. And so you can spend all the money you want on recruiting and hiring, which is important. You've got to get the right talent and fit in the door. But if you're not keeping them, then you're you're playing a losing game, right? We're seeing more universities. This is, you know, hats off to a lot of these colleges that are have some amazing uh, sales programs, bachelor, you know, four four year degree programs 
we were, we uh, talked to a lot of the professors that teach and they're doing a darn good job. You've seen these B2B boot camps, people that maybe were in the services industry or the, you know, hospitality industry wanting to get into sales that can take these uh, short B2B boot camp courses. They're doing some really good work, but it's, um, you know, it's still not enough. <laughs> you hear this, you hear this often, you know, I'm a senior in high school. And I had the conversation with my parents and yeah, I'm not sure what I want to do. Well, there's not very many parents that says you ought to get into sales. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we still have a ways, we still have a ways to go, but another little quick story on this talking about uh, preparing tomorrow sales professionals we had an, uh, an outfit that works with high schools that's talking to the ISP about using our uh, SDR curriculum, and they train seniors on a whole variety of professions that are out there that they, they may want to consider, whether it's hospitality or nursing or you know food, restaurant business. They're looking at sales as a, as a viable uh, preparation for graduating students. I think that's pretty cool. That's great. That's really good. So um, <clears throat> something you touched on earlier that I wanted to get into a little bit more, you talked about you know, a focus and a passion of yours being developing the next generation of, of mm. sales leaders, right? So yeah. how are you seeing, or, or to also what's your advice for, I guess, companies yeah. in identifying and promoting that next generation of leader? What do you, what do you see going on there today that might be different than what's happened years ago? Because it, you know, it typically too often, it was a mistake. I think that a lot of companies make is just, Oh, we're going to promote our highest performing salesperson into being right. a sales leader. And we both know that a lot of times that doesn't work. But so what are you seeing as far as how companies are approaching? Because it does speak to the whole issue of, re of retention, right? That you have to have the right sales leader in place. And that has a great impact one way or the other on, yeah. on retention. So what do you, what do you see happening there? Here's what I'm, here's what I see as a whole. There's very few companies. I'm going to say they're among uh, the top five, 10%, 10% that do this well. The other 90% don't do it very well. And, and they just hope a good leader comes along that they can promote or hire. And to your point, yes, sometimes you're better, you're better sales reps, uh, even some of your top performers. Hey, what's the next step? Well, it's management. Hey, you've done so well. Let's give you a crack at it. And what made them a top 10% performer works against them as a leader. Right. Right. And, and I, you know, this is me being a bit transparent here. My first sales job, I failed at. And I tell people this today. I would not be a good if somebody said, Bob, you got to before you retire, which hopefully is pretty soon, you got to have an individual sales job. I would I would fail at it because I, it doesn't motivate me and it doesn't use my skill set. So the thing that makes a great salesperson great does not work for leading typically. Now, there's some transfer because the because the, motiva the motivation has to be different, right? Way different. The motivation has to be seeing others succeed. Well, if you're a top performer, <laughs> get out of the way. I want to I want to be number one at club, right? And what motivates me is the 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 thrill of of me working with a prospect or client and and, and winning a deal, right? And uh, those motivators 
don't work well because you have a team that you 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 have to care for equally, right? right. And it it doesn't it's it's like a you know a great quarterback knows that he needs a great front line so he has pass protection and he values that. Uh, yeah, I talk. He doesn't just value. Yeah. I, I talked to somebody else on our, our podcast on a previous episode, and what he said is the the mindset of the sales leader has to be that their team is now their customer. Totally. Yeah. you got to serve your team. And the team doesn't serve you. When I hear – I heard this on a podcast the other day, and it just kind of turned me – it just kind of didn't sit well. And they said, you know, if you're a good manager, eventually your team will make you look good. And, okay – that may happen, but you know, you need to meet the, the leader. Meet, needs to meet, uh, have their make their team look good, right? right if anything. Yes. But I want to get back to I want to get back to your development question. So, here's what I would say. Here's what I'd say out there to the organizations that really want to nurture, encourage, and support development from. Uh, individual contributor to a first line manager from a first line manager to a director, director, VP is you really have to, you really have to give them opportunity to see what it's like to practice it. One of the most impactful things that happened to me as a frontline manager was the company nominated me to go away for a week at a all in executive, you know, full week course. And it was so impactful. And we did, um, they did blind surveys on my style and I met with coaches and we met with other leaders and we were mentored. And uh, that was kind of a springboard uh, to helping me develop my, some of my rough edges yeah. <laughs> as a leader. And we, we, we need to do more of that. We need to show how important leadership is. Uh, and we all know we've all had good managers, bad managers, and those good managers, people highly respect, they're transparent, and they, the team is motivated because of the presence of what that leader, the, the tone, the culture that that leader sets for the team. Yeah. So well, and I, th I think what you're partly <clears throat> saying is that companies need to have an overt and very proactive and deliberate strategy around identifying Bingo. developing because too many companies like you said i think leave it to chance or yeah, or they get right. or they get lazy about it and just say well whoever our top performer is over the last three years so well that's going to be the you know he or she is the one we're going to try to promote versus right. really getting into right. the attributes who's got the the mindset who's got the the will the passion for developing others because that is what the role is when you get into <clears throat> You said that very well. I would add another little bonus tip here, and that is there's a lot of women out there that I feel, and a lot of people feel, that could, could make outstanding leaders, but for whatever reason, either they may not be, they, they may not be raising their hand, or they may not be proactive themselves and mm -hmm. searching that out, or you may have a, you know, a, a senior male leader that wants to bring on someone that kind of like themselves, right? So, I would say, in fact, we're we're talking now to a, a potential keynote at the March event, Will, that's going to talk about how uh, specifically to men, you know, what you can do to to encourage, promote, and uh, look for women in sales leadership. So I'm excited for that keynote. There's uh, some of the best managers that I ever promoted. Uh, I think of two right now were women 
and they were outstanding. Well, there's there's a lot of research out there that talks about the impact of more, not only diverse sales teams from yeah. a gender standpoint, but but diverse sales yeah. leadership teams and and how much higher performing sales organizations are. And I think at, what you're talking about is again, it's got to be something that is very overt and and deliberate yeah. on part of sales yeah. organizations, and not just leaving it to chance and um, and then eventually maybe having some sort of unconscious biases that, that come into play and the, those right. sorts of things. Right. Let, related to this around around sales leadership, what do you think is happening today as far as progress on prioritizing coaching? So, uh, you know, I, I, I always mention that, and I think we spoke about this at, at, at your leadership summit. We had done research a few years ago and to sort of summarize it a bit basically 70 i think it was 76 percent of the of the sales leaders that responded said that coaching was critical to developing their teams achieving their goals etc and yet just about the same percentage not the exact same people but about the same percentage said that they were doing too little of it or or in some cases none at all so yeah so what's yeah from your perspective a What's the disconnect there? Sales sales leaders are yeah. nodding their heads saying it's important, but but still not doing it. But do you see the needle moving at all? Unfortunately, not really. Um, another statistic to go along with yours, where the leader thinks they're doing enough, but the reps don't, the quality right. metric on it, where, where the leader says, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. The rep goes, no, you're not very good. Right, that perception. You still have... Yeah, we still have leaders that want to tell, that leaders that want to talk, you know, instead of guiding a sales rep to their own, you know, discovery of maybe some gaps or some areas that they could improve and work on. The best development from a rep is where I, I, I liken it to my golf game. I go out and wor- work on things that I know. I need work on, and I, I do it myself. Some of your best reps are go, will go seek that out, but a good coach supports that whole process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a methodology uh, challenge still that's out there. And, and earlier, your point about hiring your number one sales rep, hey, do it my way. Hey, here's how you got to do yeah. it. And, and not everybody sells the same, <laughs> right? Just like not every golf swing is exactly the same. And so uh, we need a little bit better. Uh, we need someone to come out and say, okay, this is what really good, real good coaching is. We've had a lot of these, you know, you've had podcasts, we've had companies, partners of ours come out and, and show what good coaching is. Uh, and then the, the whole time thing, it's just not, it's not getting, it's just not getting any better. We're still not doing enough. Yeah. Uh, especially with, especially getting back to the hiring, you know, you get somebody in, all of a sudden somebody leaves for another job. You got to fill that vacancy. Yeah, you're chasing your tail. And you're, you're chasing your tail. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, encouragement out there to, to, to uh, leaders to highly prioritize coaching, especially as, as reps are learning new things. So another thing I wanted to ask you about is your perspective. There, there's, I think a, a growing focus around account-based selling 
and the trend toward yeah. being being more overt about engaging with expanded buying committees versus the one individual yeah. or the one quote unquote lead that uh, that yeah. a salesperson has. What do you think today works best for inside salespeople or, or again, almost anybody selling virtually to sort of shift their focus, mindset, priorities around more of an account-based focus? What do you see? Great question. Uh, here's where I'll, where I'll actually go back and, and have some kudos to the traditional field selling team because when you think about it, um, the traditional field seller was very well-versed in consultative selling. When they structured a meeting in person, they tried to get all of the buying, you know, the buyers there, the economic buyer, strategic buyer, technical buyer. And so they were very good at account mapping and being very strategic. Flipping the script now, inside has to be good at that as well. Right. So they can't think I'm going to get on a call, do a demo and it's just automatically going to close. Yeah. No, you, you have to you have to multi thread into an account. You have to do sometimes a little bit of blue sheeting on an account. Who's who? Who are the stakeholders? Do I have my coach and in, my internal champion in place, my coach? And very much as and look. Research tells us, and we know this anyways, that the ceiling of quota is going up for inside sell sellers. For in the enterprise space, it's it's up to 2.2 million, and that was from a three year ago uh, study. And the average sales price is going up. So we need to we need to be pretty good at 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 this. Uh, you know, my son who somehow he got into sales. <laughs> He's an account manager. He has about he has a little over two million dollar quota, and um, he's my son. So I see him goofing around. I see him as a little bit of a goof off. He's older now. He's forty two. But I always thought, how can he? He made Presidents Club twice. He brought me to two Presidents Club as his guest to play golf. Very nice. But I'm like, well, I, don't th I don't think he's really that good. <laughs> and then I heard him on a phone call once at his house, and I'm like, oh man, he was strategically selling and consultatively selling. And so my perception of him changed quite a bit. But I think that's what's needed more and more today, to your yeah. point. And, um, you know, we got to teach that. We, people have to be mentored and they have to see how others do it. That's a little bit of a downside. If I'm going to pick on this work from home thing, which has a lot of, a lot of positives, by the yeah. way, there's a little bit of that downside of they lose some of that osmosis. What is what is my senior sales rep next to me? How does he handle you know uh, an objection on price and this kind right, of sort thing? of? So we've lost that a little bit, haven't right? We? Peer learning or peer sharing, et cetera. That sort of like yeah. over the over the wall of the cubicle or in the office next door sort of thing. That that becomes a lot harder, and I think that is still has to be part of the responsibility of the sales leader. Is how do you, how are you going to continually yeah and actively bring your team together to be able to share those things. Cause you're right. It doesn't happen through um, just in the moment as much in that setting. What is um, let's talk about uh, the customer perception and sort of how customers perceive value. What, you know, the sales teams that are truly connecting on a human personal level, what are they getting right and, and doing differently as far as connecting um, and you know developing those bonds with customers? Which again, as we're talking about, it's being done virtually, so it's it's harder yeah. 
even if you're seeing each other face to face on Zoom, right? But it's but it's harder. But what do you think is is different about salespeople and sales teams that are getting that right? Well, I think you 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 said it uh, just a few seconds ago. Personalization. That to me, that that's everything. It's wanting to get to know the person. Besides the fact that they're a decision maker and they have a need. If you're selling a whatever a CRM type tool or sales engagement tool, whatever it is really approaching that person as an individual that has uh, their own personal needs and challenges. And and discovery is still a bit of a missing art today. Uh, a friend of mine, we say there's, a, there's this other epidemic out there that we don't discover very well. We, oh, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Okay, you need this tool, so let, let's go. I'm going to show it to you instead of really digging deep enough to understand not just the pain point, but what's what's really the root cause of the pain point. And then what is, what is that pain point? What type of effect does it have on the business, on the people, on the company, on the leader? And then when someone knows the challenge you have. And, and I'm thinking of a personal story here where I have, we have a, a in-ground spot has this heater and it has a pump and it has a temperature gauge and all this. And it's, it's kind of complicated. When I got on the phone and this was on the phone once with a company called Pentair, which is a big pool company. And I started explaining the problem. They go, Oh, have you tried this or have you tried that? I go, no. And they go, tell me a little bit more. Is it happening in the morning or at night? And they diagnose and they discovered deep. And I'm like, ah, I got someone that understands my problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back for help every time. I'm gonna take their advice. If they, if they sell me something that's gonna fix it, I'll buy it. And and so that's that's where this is where the best of the best selling happens when you got someone that you that you trust because of I don't trust them because they they know the specs of the product I trust them because they dug deep and didn't take my first issue and run off to sell me something but they dug so deep that they really got behind the real issue yeah and now I trust them I know they're an advisor I know they're going to take care of me so you know, inside sellers that are racing to the next conversation, that are trying to convert the demo into a sale, slow down a bit, right? Back up. And you almost, you know, as long as you're not asking questions that you wrote down on a piece of paper just to ask a question where you're, it's like an inquisition, but really dig down on what's going on with the, the individual. And yeah, it's good to, it's good to connect on a personal level. Yeah, like you said, that, that the golf out the golf outing I had, and I'm a bit of a, a teacher hobbyist at golf. I took a video of who was my prospect, and I, I took a chance, but I took a video and I said he was struggling. Mm-hmm. I said, "Here, let me play this back. Do you see how you're taking the club in the inside and the face is opening up?" He goes, oh, "I never knew that." Goes, yeah, go try this. He goes, "Oh my gosh." He goes, send me the video because I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with my teaching pro back home so I can work on it. That's the type of salespeople we all want to deal right. with. Right. You're, you're. That's a, a great example. The golf example <clears throat> is you're uncovering a problem for them that they didn't even know they had. 
and to your point, I thought it, this is what, what you've just been saying is such great advice is that, you know, that that trust, that connection isn't going to happen because the salesperson can rattle off a bunch of product features and specs. <laughs> it's going to be, are you showing really sincerely that you have a desire to, you know, again, spend that more time on discovery, uncover their problem, present solutions, that sort of thing. So this has really been uh, great. Before we start to wrap up, Bob, just as we record this, and we're about three weeks away from your annual leadership yeah. summit, is there anything else from a thematic standpoint coming up that, um, you know, that you'd want to point out or is, is a big trend or, or, or topic of interest that's going to be shared? Well, I think the, the high-level theme for the summit it's a phrase called sales transformed. And I think a lot of what we talked about right here has to do with that transformation. Become a better sales rep, right? How do I do that? Well, I become a better listener, ask deeper questions. Okay. Yeah. That's one technology. Let's, let's guard our sellers from overload, but Let's make sure the technology is adding value and efficiency and productivity. That's another piece to it. The, the other uh, leadership, right? It's a leadership summit. Uh, I think our keynote is going to talk about ways to identify and, and promote uh, a diverse leadership individual. So sales transform. There's five pillars, and I don't have I don't have them up in front of me, but it has to do with technology, people, process. We're going to talk about models, yeah. the blurring of the lines, field versus inside. That's one of the other pillars that's coming. It's right right in front of us. So, yeah, it should be a great summit. And there'll be plenty of tactical stuff, too. Tons of breakouts. You'll all be there. We'll look forward to seeing you. And, and I'm sure you, you're working on your topic probably right now as we speak. So we are. We are. Last question, because, again, you know, the the title of this podcast is mental selling. The focus is all around those sort of between the ears aspects of selling. What's your advice for a salesperson today around how they should view his or her role and the, and the value that they bring? What, what, what do you think the role of a salesperson is today that they should, that, that's going to really sort of help drive them through the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, et cetera? Uh, that's a really, uh, it's a great question. I'm not sure my answer will have changed too much from many, many years ago to today. It's difficult. It's not just a numbers game. And when someone says sales is a number, numbers game, I kind of cringe a bit. Does it require a lot of effort? Oh, man, it sure does. But it, if sales was just call 60 people and have 10 conversations. If that's all it was, we'd have a lot of star performers. Right. Our whole team would, all you got to do is make the calls and have the conversations. And uh, we tried that, right? Uh, yes, it requires lots of conversations and, and lots of calls and lots of emails, right? But that's just, that's table stakes, right? It's, it's mentally... Mentally, um, it, it's a grind. Uh, and I talked to a lot of high performers that are grinding it out, right? Call by call. But mentally, because of the mental selling, slow down, right? Slow down, dig deep, 
value the person and the personality and the personalization of, of who you're dealing with first and foremost and get to know that, you know, as Jill Rowley would say, know thy buyer and make deposits, right? You, you, you do that by being a person of value and, and resource first. And oftentimes that, that's going to come back and earn you the business. That is, that's great advice. And uh, I think we'll end on that note. Thank you so much for being with us today. I think everybody that has listened has gained some really good perspectives from Bob. You can follow Bob Perkins on LinkedIn, as well as I believe on Twitter, your handle is rperk10, R-P-E-R-K-10. You can see more and learn more about uh, AAISP who again is a great organization that um, at Integrity Solutions, we've partnered with AAISP for years. Their website is aa-isp.org. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at aa underscore ISP. And again, as, as we record this, their annual leadership summit is a few weeks away. It'll be March 7th to the 10th in uh, the Metro Chicago area. We'll be excited to be there. I hope, yeah. hope, um, We'll come across and have conversations with some of some of you that are listening. Until next time, thank you to everyone again, Bob. Thanks so much for being with us. I'd love to have you on as a guest uh, down the road again sometime. Thanks for having me. I'm Will Milano with Integrity Solutions. Thank you for listening to Mental Selling, and we look forward to having you with us again next time. At Integrity Solutions, we believe you need a different approach to sales and service to succeed in tomorrow's world. We know that sales performance isn't just about what you know, it's about who you are. We are performance experts who enable sales teams to build trusted customer relationships with integrity at their core. For over 50 years, Integrity Solutions has specialized in award-winning, innovative sales, service, and coaching training solutions that fuel performance, grow talent, lift up customers, and elevate leaders. Our solutions connect knowledge, skills, and values to help our clients embrace their roles with a greater sense of purpose and outperform year after year. No one is better at unleashing the mental side of selling. Learn more about our unique approach and the clients and industries we proudly serve at IntegritySolutions.com. You've been listening to Mental Selling, an Integrity Solutions podcast. Stay in touch with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player and following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Please give us a rating, leave a comment, and share episodes you love. That helps us keep empowering sales and service leaders to master the mental side of selling. Until next time, let's go out and create amazing customer experiences.